This episode is brought to you by Lipson. Planning to start a podcast? Look no further than Lipson. Lipson is one of the biggest feature-rich podcast hosting platforms in the world. Lipson is IAB certified, offers many hosting plans, and you can start for as low as $5 a month. Aspiring podcasters who listen to the show radio can get one month free by using the promo code TSR. Use promo code TSR at checkout to get one month free. So this time around, we're going to be speaking about uh, Brittany and the college uh, stuff. Uh, this is Operation Varsity Blues. My name is Andrew, and I have Giselle with me. Giselle, how are you? I am doing well. Hi, everyone. Happy to be back talking about more documentaries. Yeah, it's um, it's a little crazy. So I watched the uh, Operation Varsity Blues today, and I was just like, wow. Wow. So, um, what do you, what do you want to start with first? I think let's start, let's start with Operation Varsity Blues just because I feel like, I will say this. I feel like there's some interesting parallels between both. Obviously not on subject matter, but the way there were certain questions that were brought up, I think in, in both the, the Britney documentary as well as Operation Varsity Blues that were really intriguing. Okay. Um, and it was really it really comes down to the media actually which is what what i thought was really interesting in both because on on one side with operation varsity blues looking at how the media covered this it it's very it's very different um, than kind of some other things that we've seen. And obviously, okay, go know, on, go on. Okay. There, were, there were some very prominent names that, you know, were involved with everything going on. But the part that I thought wasn't really covered by the media was the sentencing. Right. I mean, it was touched on a little bit from, from the perspective of, you know, Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and, you know, the notable big name actor because they're they're so prominent but what the experts were really saying when you look at the sentencing overall is that the court system really could have used this as a way to kind of really make a statement yeah like a about these types of practices right exactly and i mean you know the practices you know the the, the way they describe the front door and the the side door and then the right. back door um you know, the, this was really the first time that the side door had been covered. But I mean, I feel like everybody's kind of known all along. Hey, you know, the, the back door, like your parents make a big donation to a, a, the school you want to go to and, and you get a leg up. It's not guaranteed, but you get a leg up. And I feel like a lot of people have known that that's practice. I mean, right. look at, you, you know. Really- touch on it as much over the years where we're like, you know, if you got money, there's strings, there's strings that can be pulled for you for you to get in certain things. Well, for me, and again, pulling in pop culture for this, there, there's a line in Suicide Squad uh, where Will Smith's character Deadpool is basically listing out the demands that he has for whatever job they want him to do. And he's doing the display for Amanda Waller and he's talking about, and I want my daughter to go to a good school. And if her grades start slipping, you know, I want, I want you to white people that shit and take care of it. Right. And that to me, like, again, it, it touches on the, we all know that this happens. It's not necessarily illegal, but we know that that things go on. Um, you know, there's been 
how many different cheating scandals or, you know, you look at the athletic system for universities and, and people are brought in and, you know, there was always the the jokes and the, you know, subtle, not subtle, like, oh, yeah, you're in the athlete class because right, you're an right. athlete. So there are certain accommodations that are made for you. I mean, I went to UCLA and it was very much this kind of known but unknown thing. I mean, the athletes had their own separate gym. They had, you know, particular classes that they could sign up for because they were looked at, at as student athletes, but they were they were there to perform. Right. Were and, they you know, prized? They, were they were they uh, esteemed high and on campus and stuff like that? I, I don't know about that because I didn't interact with them as much, but it's more of like you look at what's come out in the news as far as, you know, the the licensing rights for their names, for jerseys, right. and how exactly. the school is making money off of that, but the athlete isn't, and all of that discussion. So, I mean, like I said, there's been things within the college admissions aspect and the way that it is run that everybody kind of knows it's not exactly illegal, but it, you know, it's not nice and it's, it's frowned upon when you start talking about it. But what I thought was really interesting that didn't get a lot of discussion outside of the experts towards the end of Operation Varsity Blues was when they start talking about standardized test scores and using the sentencing to send a message for this type of behavior. Right. And when you look at the sentences too, you know, it it was very much kind of slap on the wrist. It wasn't, it didn't go... It didn't go so far. Right. And the it, was, idea it was a couple of months. I, th- I think one of them was six to eight months or something like that. Yeah, they that were, was Massimo, uh, Lori Laughlin's husband. Right. And there were like, I think, three or four not guilties I saw towards the end. Yeah. And then, and then you had the guy that was on house arrest for a while. Yep. And I think the probation recently ended. And then the the guy who was doing all the deals, though. like yeah, he cut a deal. He's, he's just mean, walking around. Yeah, he, he he cut a deal. And that, to me, really kind of underscores like part of the, the error in the way that the media covered this. Because to me, it's like, well, why are we letting, you know, yeah, he cut a deal. He's, you know, the informant. He's basically recording these people and turning all of his co-conspirators in. And that, to me, was kind of a flaw of, of, uh, of how this was presented. And, you know, I, I I do have some legal background. I went to a year of law school. I am by no means a legal expert or lawyer or anything like that. But to me, it was kind of like, there's no accountability in that. Right. You know, there's, there's no real accountability for these people. And it doesn't really send a message to other people that are going to continue to look for different side doors or that are gonna, going to continue to use the back door to get their kids into college. And for those of you who who haven't watched the the um, documentary, the front door is basically getting in on your own merits, getting in via scholarship, your grades, your athletics. The back door, parents making a big donation, and and maybe you get in. And then the side door was essentially being placed as the the student athlete recruit. Uh, your parents paid some money, and then you were kind of guaranteed via this this the system, system. the process, right? Yeah. Right. So it was, that's it was amazing to watch. Yeah. It was really interesting. But again, going back to this point on the standardized tests, that to me is also something that was not 
covered in any of the media discussion outside of, you know, this, even, even in the documentary, it was very, very short, little, maybe two, three minutes at most. Yeah. And that's me because it left me wanting a lot. There's a lot of sections of it that left me wanting to know more about, well, what happens? Because even when you go to, um, Olivia Jade's uh, YouTube, right? It seems like everything is, is normal now, you know, and, and we understand that's, that's the daughter, but what else happened with uh, the sentencing and who's, you know, following up on that? Are we going to get a part two of that? Or is this is just, Hey, if you want to learn more, just check out more. It was just, it left me wanting a lot. Completely agree. And, and on the, you know, why they didn't really talk about this either. I mean, you look at Princeton review, you look at Kaplan, you look at all of these for profit tutoring for standardized tests that are essentially raking in money to help you study for these tests that are inherent. They part of the reason why they one they're, they're inaccurate um, in a sense that not everybody takes tests the same way, getting accommodations for the test, which is again, one of the ways that the side door worked is basically they had someone take the test for people, you know, standardized tests are not any indication of if a person is going to be successful, not only in college, but in life. Right. You can, you can study to learn to take a test. That doesn't mean that you're going to do well in other places. And as someone who has paid money to study for those tests because it is part of the system, um, you know, speaking from experience on that front, it is a lot of money. I'm very privileged that I was, be- was able to do that, but it, it almost felt like I had to do that because otherwise uh, I wasn't going to be looked at even though I was a good student. Right. Because it comes down to assigning a number to someone. Yeah. And even the athletic part of it too, because even some of the major individuals that we consider great athletes or, you know, the go, the greatest of our time or whatever, uh, were drafted really, really low, you know, whether that's a yeah. Steph Curry or, or Tom Brady or any other yeah. of those athletes, they were really picked very late and look what they've done. So it's not really just um, the school as they were uh, speaking about the prestige of things, which is an illusion um, in and of itself or a lie, depending on, on how you decide to define it. I think they were talking about it from the French uh, side of things. But uh, when you see certain athletes who you never heard of before do, do so many great things. And as you mentioned, even on the acad- uh, academic side of things, it's it's very interesting to see that. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I, I really recommend people look into kind of why, why standardized tests are really not looked. In my opinion, they shouldn't be used. I think they are, they're reinforcing cultural biases because they are based on certain cultural norms. And if you're not of that culture, you're not going to pick up on those. So how you answer and what might be the way they're structured is really not the best for like honestly i mean when you're when you're learning about history and how you write an essay those are those are things where it's critical reasoning and processing and yes with math absolutely there is you know mathematic aptitude and ability but if you can study to learn how to take a test without even under having to understand the math involved in it, then you're studying to take the test. You're not learning that subject. Mm. And so for me, I really wish that, you know, there was more of a call to, to get rid of standardized tests. I think that they 
uh, inherently kind of disadvantage a lot of of different people, um, particularly um, people of color, and from again people from outside of those uh, knowledge and values of the majority groups, because this was essentially created during the 1950s. Uh, you know, and using using that as a basis, and and not really evolving it, and looking at the times, and and kind of saying, okay, do we really need this form of testing anymore? It's it's a form of separation, and it's a way to segregate people out of giving them opportunities. Yeah, uh, discouraging by design is what I'm hearing. Yeah, 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 crazy. And crazy. and again, going back to this. You know, the point before, that I said before you leave, oh. you leave that uh, the the guaranteed as you were talking about the Kaplan's and all those those guys um, guaranteed like 150 points here and there. Um, yep. Those kind of things. They're not really true, right? You can't they guarantee, they, right? They are and they aren't. OK, Talk so they me. are in the sense that let's say you take the test and you score. um I don't even know what the new scoring system is, but let's say you score, like, I'm going to try to use the old SAT scoring system. Let's say you score a 1050 and 150 points would be getting you to essentially a 1200. So let's say you take their course, you then go and take the test again and you don't hit that. Their guarantee is essentially saying that we're not going to give you your money back, but you can come and take this course again. Gotcha. So that's kind of what the guarantee implies is that, yes, you've paid this money. You didn't get the score that you wanted or needed and it didn't hit our threshold. So you can come take our course again and sit through everything. We're not going to give you your money back. Um, and I could be wrong on that. It could have changed in, you know, the amount of time that it's been since I've taken these classes. Um, but I mean, I took it for the SAT. I took it for the GRE. I took it for the LSAT. Um, so I went through quite a few of these. And, and it is, it is very much a, a for profit system. And they're, they're teaching you how to game the system. They're teaching you how to pass a test, not how to critical think or understand the subject. Mm. And again, didn't, didn't really see a lot of media coverage of that. Um, you saw a few minutes of that during the the documentary, which I thought was great that they included at least a little bit, but I also imagine they probably didn't include a lot uh, because it is a big for-profit business and you don't necessarily want Princeton Review or Kaplan or any of the other uh, testing organizations who also administer the test, by the way. So not only are you paying to you know essentially take a class with them, but then you're paying them money when you do need to take the test as well. Wow. Managing your income stream should not be a hassle. That's why I use Catch Financial. As an independent, Catch allows you to manage your income streams on autopilot, prepare your taxes, and more. To get set up on Catch, visit andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. Once again, that's andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. So in in that sense, it's like I can understand why they didn't touch on it as much because it is a business. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like they, I feel like they could have done more with that. Yeah, and it, similarly, it, like it happened so fast. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was saying similarly. You know, the fact that the media didn't touch on that, I feel like there's a lot 
that the media didn't touch on with the Brit- Britney documentary. Mm. And that, you know, again, this interplay of how the media decides to cover things. And I, for, for the Britney documentary, I'm not going to, to speculate on her, um, her well-being or the conservatorship as much. I think there were a lot of questions raised as far as why a capable woman should not be in control of these things. But again, going back to this idea of how the media covers things and you know, you, you watch the clips from the Diane Sawyer interview, you watch the clips from the Matt Lauer interview with her and the questions that they were allowed to ask. I mean, in, by today's standards, highly awkward, uncomfortable, sexist, right. misogynistic. And again, I don't really feel like the media itself is taking accountability for that. And even in the discussion, you know, as it continues, you look at how the New York Times essentially created this documentary and it was with no involvement or blessing from her or anyone in her camp. And obviously, because it's discussing the conservatorship, her her father probably wouldn't have likely agreed to it. But again, it's kind of taking a very sensitive subject. And instead of saying how like they, they pointed out, you know, how we, the public kind of failed her in this sense. But I still don't think they took accountability as how the media machine itself. And I say the media as, you know, news organizations, tabloids, paparazzi, that system, that system was built up to tear people down. It wasn't, you know, you look at the paparazzi, you know, going after her, trying to get photos. And I think it's, you know, pretty reasonable how she reacted because it's a fight or flight situation. And, you know, you, you hear a lot of people in Hollywood now talking about uh, and putting forward, you know, legislate, like suggesting legislation and whatnot to protect their children. Because essentially, you know, these paparazzi are trying to get a picture of them and they're scaring their children or they're taking pictures of their children and their children didn't sign up to, for that. And they're a minor and it's predatory behavior. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I, I think, feel like I think you kind of know what you're getting into, right? When it comes to you, uh, certain things, I, I'm not saying that I, that makes it okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that makes it okay. But I think to some degree, you know, as you uh, become a public figure, or if you've been in front of uh, cameras and things like that, uh, a good portion of your life, there's just something that comes with it that you should already know at some point. True. Yes? True. It is part of the job, but. What happens with your when you're with your children that didn't sign up for that? Understood. What Understood. happens? What happens when your safety and your children's safety is being impacted by the people that are trying to take a photograph of you? Understood. Understood. Okay. Additionally, if being photographed is part of your job, and someone takes a, paparazzi takes a photo of you, and then you repost that photo. You're a photo of you. You are essentially the subject of that photo. Mm. And you repost it to your Twitter, your Instagram, and you can be sued by the paparazzi. Because it's not your property, it, even though it's you. Because it's not your photo. Right. Yeah. Understand. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's, the, that's the real kind of, I think, 
tricky situation. So yes, you signed up to live your life in public to a certain extent because you are a celebrity, an actor, an artist, a musician. But at the same time, I mean, I'll I'll pick a completely different field. I'll, I'll go with some, you know, say you're working as a a lawyer, a public defender. There are certain expectations of what comes with your job and what is considered, you know, private life. And I think the line blurs in this sense when we do talk about celebrity and fame because people want to know about their private lives. There is no off. And, you know, you saw that too with the the Billie Eilish documentary that we talked about last time where she had the interaction with the fan and she's like, I never want my fans to see me like that. Like that, right. Because she understands that they want to know her and they want to, you know, they want to have that experience. But she, you know, she mentally at that moment needed to rest. She right. she needed to take care of herself. But, but the and point of departure, me, the point of departure or, or the barrier, if you want to call it that, the public figure doesn't get to decide. Unless they craft it in such a way, unless, unless there's there, there's a perfect, you know, architectural thing that they designed to, you know, make that work for them. Should, but should they get to decide a little bit? Uh, I mean, because yeah. let's, I just, just want to argue it. with you today. I just want to argue. I just want to argue a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's one of those days. Well, I mean, think about it. You and I both have. I wouldn't say traditional, I'm not going to say traditional jobs, but we have what most would consider nine to five jobs. Mm. And our employers expect us to be available between certain hours. Mm. And obviously there are times, like, especially in, in what I do where things come up outside of those hours that I need to take care of and whatnot. And there's, there's some understanding, but there's also the understanding that there is time that is not being essentially paid for. You're not paying for my time on a Saturday. You are, you know, that expectation that I do something. Okay. Is that in my employment contract? No. Right. Okay. So you have, you right. have no so right to, to assume that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and in that sense, when you look at a movie, there's obviously the pre production, production, post production, media tour, red carpets. Mm-hmm. Right there, that's a big time frame and that's contractual. But is going and dropping off your kids at school part of that? Is going to the grocery store, is going to Starbucks? I would argue that that's again where we get more into this gray area of that is, that is something that we as more private individuals, we, we automatically assume we have it. But for a celebrity, they don't because this idea of I want to know what they're like in their real life. Right. So I, I, want, I want to release the tension a little bit because this is something I struggle with right now. And um, someone told me recently that if you want to impact people, people's lives a little bit more, you have to share more about yourself. Right. And I... I have a challenge there. So we're actually talking about something that I'm currently struggling with because I don't know where that balance is because I want to do an impact, but I want to do it on my terms. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And I think that that is really what, what I, 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 
based off of, again, what I've seen, you know, Kristen Bell has come out in support of some anti-paparazzi legislation in the state of California that would protect uh, minor children and whatnot. Um, there have been a lot of parents in Hollywood that have come out in support of various things like that. Um, you look at the UK and it's actually illegal to show a photograph of a child's face not blurred mm. as a way to protect um, the children. You know, and you look at, you know, most classic case of, you know, paparazzi chasing Princess Diana. Right. And, and that car. And so, you know, in that sense, I do think. In any like in any industry, there is some form of regulation. You look at banking, you look at social media, you look at tech, you look, you know, name any any type of industry. There are some form of regulations, but we don't necessarily see that applied to. And I'm not going to say the press in this instance because the, yes, the press is paying for these photographs, um, but the paparazzi you can you can basically walk up and down. LA, Hollywood Boulevard, Robertson Boulevard, any Wilshire Boulevard, any of the big kind of, you know, stomping grounds for celebrities in Los Angeles with a camera, take a picture and sell it to TMZ or sell it to one of the gossip magazines. I mean, if you look at the gossip magazine sites, they're like, oh, if you have a picture, you know, send a, like, we buy pictures. Wow. And so it's not regulated in that sense where, you know, you look at, you look at journalism, there's a, there's an, there's a code of ethics to journalism mm. whereas that doesn't necessarily exist in this this space of paparazzi and and gossip magazines and again i understand why it exists as someone you know i i consume this type of information <laughs> <Right>. um <laughs> you know it's it's hard it's hard not to because you you do feel you there's actually um I, I'm going to butcher this probably, um, but there is there is there are studies that show part of the reason why we are so attracted to these public figures and wanting to know more about them is because we originally, you know, many years ago we had larger families. We grew up in you know more of a tribe mentality as as people. We obviously don't have that anymore. We have our individual tribes, our friends, our family, but we're not living in a community of thirty plus people anymore. Yes, yeah, and so we look. Yeah. So we look at these public figures and we feel like we know them. We feel like that we know them in a way that is very similar to friends or family because well, all of these articles were being written about them. That's parasocial if that's what you mean, right? In that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean there 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 are even studies that that suggest, you know, that when a famous person or celebrity, you know, passes away, that that can be as impactful as a friend passing away. Because again, it's that parasocial, you feel like you know them. Right. And obviously there are cases of that being taken so far with stalking and, and very dark cases like that. Um, but this idea of, of, you know, your tribe and your community and social behavior, we are social creatures. And, and so there is, a, there is a desire to have that, that knowledge. But again, where where's the line? Mm. Because they this person has signed up to do a Giselle, job. They've signed Giselle, up to, to do there, this movie. There is no line. <laughs> okay, there it moves, and I think that's that's the gray. It moves, and I think and I think that that's what the Britney documentary really highlights is that when you look and you compare two thousand three 
2004, 2005 to now. And you look at, again, how the media interviewed her then to how female artists are interviewed now. And the idea of, you know, there was the ask her more movement on the red carpet. Ask her more than just what designer she's wearing. Ask her more than, you know, how much weight she had to lose for a role. And that's really, you know, that, that to me really underscores kind of the change that we've had. And I don't think that that's why I say I don't think that the the media necessarily covered that as much. It was touched on, I think, you know, and you saw who kind of watched the documentary and and made comments about it um, after the fact uh, in the the community and people that actually know her. And they're just like, hey, if this isn't you know authorized by the artists, it's not their story. It's someone speculating, right? Um, but I do think, you know, commenting on how it's covered to me is important to discuss. And again, yeah. that's why I think these two documentaries, even though very different subject matter, that idea of how, how is something discussed? How is it covered? What biases are we bringing in? Because with Brittany, we're bringing in the discussion of, uh, you know, sexism and how we treat women versus men in the celebrity space and, and the idea of privacy. Whereas in the college admission scandal, it's okay. Well, how are we discussing, you know, white collar crime compared right. to other types of crime? How are we sensationalizing one versus the other? Looking for the best VPN in the world? Your search is over. From the makers of Proton Mail comes Proton VPN, the best free VPN in the world. Proton VPN is Swiss based, has a no locks policy, offers the highest strength encryption, strong VPN protocols, and all apps are open source and audited. To try Proton VPN for free, visit andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. Once again, that's andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. Interesting. Do you, um, I love how you think about these things. Do you sympathize or empathize with her, uh, Brittany? I, again, empathize, but not speculate. I'm like, I don't know her, never met her, have no, mm -hmm. no information on her. Uh, but I empathize with any woman that has been put in the situation that they have. Because even in the gaming space, you look at how women are treated versus men in the gaming space. Oh, yeah. And there's a very big dichotomy. And I think that that is really something that across the board, whether you like Britney Spears music or not, you can empath like as a woman, I empathize with her. Because I feel like I've, I can understand. I've been asked those awkward questions by, by male coworkers, not necessarily in the gaming space, but in my career. I've been asked awkward questions like that where I was highly uncomfortable and were they felt they, like they had a, were they clueless or were they just like, how was it? How were you presented those questions? Presented as a joke. Okay. And it was like, oh, come on, come on. Can't you take a joke? Mm, okay. um, so the very, very, very much kind of 
those uncomfortable questions that you hear a lot of women talk about. And, you know, you look at the Me Too movement and you look at, you know, the the people that have come out and shared their stories. Um, and and I I really do struggle to think of any any female that I know that has not been harassed at at, at some level. Wow. So in that sense, it's, you know, and some of those things can be very innocuous. Oh, you know, you'd be so much prettier if you smiled. That mm. that one to me is just like, and again, you saw that in how Matt Lauer interviewed Britney Spears. You saw that in Diane Sawyer's question of like, oh, what did you do to Justin Timber? Like you broke that poor, poor boy's heart. Mm. They were in a relationship. Right. It, it takes two people to be in a relationship. Again, you can speculate on what's going on with someone, but you don't know. The only two people that do know are the people that are in that relationship. And to make that assumption that one person is guilty or innocent or whatnot, again, it, it there is a... Even with the Shia, Shia LaBeouf um, situation. Yeah. That, that, whole, that whole situation. And uh, I believe... Um, Gail interviewed the lady. I don't know her name. And FK Twigs. FK Twigs. Right. And and the way there was a question that uh, Gail asked her, and she basically said that's the wrong question. I'm not going to answer that question or something like that. And, and I just, honestly, I yeah. I think it's great that she, she one that she could say that. Yeah. And did say that. Yeah, that's powerful. That that's a powerful moment. That. I don't care who you are. You, you'll never forget that. You know what I mean? Because you have to understand the situation and why is it always a particular side and not, you know what I mean? So that, that yeah. whole, that whole vibe was, was very, was very dope when she was retelling that story. Um, cause I was listening to her, uh, talk to it, uh, talk about it on the, uh, Barbara Cochran, uh, podcast, uh, which is, uh, pretty dope as well. Been- there have been numerous women that have come out and, and felt that they had to further defend themselves and whatnot. And it's, mm. again, it goes back to this. Why, why can't we believe women at mm. times? And, and, and I'm going to, again, can, okay. I, I want to talk to you about this. I believe I can ask you this because, because I, I believe I, um, we're, we're building something great. Um, just, it, just, if it's just on a relationship side, I'm so happy about it. Okay. Believe women. Okay. Can, can I talk to you about that for a second? Yeah. What if they lie? Well, and I was just going to say, okay. and, and I, right. I wanted, I, I, I wanted, I didn't want to backtrack, but I did want to clarify. No, let, no, let's talk about it. It is, it is not a blanket. We need to believe verbatim what they say. It feels like it sometimes. It, it can. And I definitely agree with that. Okay. But I do think there is more of an inherent bias to dismiss something versus if a man comes forward with things at times. You mean like that assault, being daddy, said, domestic violence, anything in that umbrella? Yes. Okay. That being said, I think as it relates to sexual assault or mm. sexual harassment, the topic in and of itself, there is much more of an inherent bias to not it, it's a lot 
let's let's face it. Well, I mean, it's your fault because you wore a short skirt, that kind of thing, right? Well, no, but well, I mean, let's look at this one too, because there have also been men that have come out in Hollywood and and talked about sexual assault that on their side as well. Correct. Terry Crews, Brendan Fraser. Correct. um, You know, there there have been a lot of people that have come out and shared their stories as well, Mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. think it's really the subject of if someone comes out and says, "Hey." This happened to me and I'm not okay with it. That should be there enough. is a, there is an inherent bias, I think, to not necessarily want to listen to people mm. because it is a hard topic to talk about and to listen to. And so people want to avoid what makes them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are a lot of people who may want to cast aside what people are saying mm-hmm. because it, it makes them feel uncomfortable. And I think that, you know, again, bringing it back to the Britney documentary, I think we as a society and a culture didn't necessarily want to see that at that time, because again, this idea of, well, they're a celebrity. We want to know everything about them. We feel entitled to know everything about them versus now mm-hmm. it's much more a discussion of mental health. And privacy and a right to private, you know, a right to some form of privacy and and safety and protection for for children uh, that are also, you know, impact. Like, I mean, put put yourself in a, a child's shoes. You've got someone waiting in the bushes with a camera, jumping out to take a picture of yeah, you. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> I mean, as a child, that 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 can cause trauma. Yeah. And again, as an adult, you're, you understand, okay, yes, I'm a celebrity. Yes. I signed up for this, but I'm not on a movie set right now. I'm not on a red carpet and I'm with a child that is scared. Mm. That, I mean, that to me is again, yes, you, you signed up for a job, but if I, if, if, if I had a child that was being impacted and their safety threatened while I was not doing my job, because that's the distinction is that again, driving to go get groceries, driving to take your kids to school. That is not part of the movie making process. It's not a red carpet. And that to me is, is really kind of, again, people are very now coming around to, okay, that that's, that's not necessarily part of their job. That's them living and being a person. Right. What about you? I mean, so of the two of us, you, you I'm are a parent. I might leave that pause in there, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I was, I was kind of reflecting on it and whatnot. And you as a parent. Yeah. How, how would you feel if you had signed up for that life, but your child was visibly scared? <laughs> It's it's very interesting that you asked that question because even now I'm trying to figure out how much of us that we put out because I don't want to talk about my wife. I don't want to talk about my daughter in any way, shape or form. I think that I would be a very um, uh, paranoid uh, if I'm just trying to, you know, get some groceries and then someone uh-huh. out of nowhere just pops up and and uh, tries to take a picture of whoever and my family. Right. Uh, and I don't, I don't even post pictures that much on, on Twitter about my family. 
That's by design. Now, is that right? Is that wrong? I don't know. I'm still, it's still something that I'm still uh, processing and going through because as we get more into having conversations and, you know, Twitter spaces, there, there are going to be some questions that if I end up being on a panel and people ask a question and it's directed towards me that I may have to answer, honestly, and, and find a way not to necessarily reveal the identity of my family if that's what I want to continue doing. So yeah, it will bother me a little bit, but at the same time, I, I understand that having created so many different shows in the last 10 years and being on some video platforms um, that, um, you know, I respect and love the people who create on them. At some point, someone is going to notice who you are and they're going to want to you know, engage with you. Fact or fiction? StreamYard is the easiest way to live stream on the internet. Fact. Whether you're streaming on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, StreamYard is the best live streaming studio in your browser. Interview guests, share your screen, and much more. To try StreamYard for free, visit andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. Once again, that's andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. So now, go ahead. Well, I was going to say at the same time, I think that's also a really big difference that we see from, again, 2003, 2004, 2005, Mm -hmm. social media's nascency Mm -hmm. to now is that now people can decide how they want to present themselves. They can decide how much information to share on these platforms and when. It's not in the paparazzi's control as right. much anymore, especially when you look at, you know, again, Britney Spears, Britney Spears is posting fun videos that she likes on Instagram. She, you know, she said, Hey, I'm a human being. I'm having fun. Please don't, you know, read anything into this. Don't, don't judge me for this. I'm having fun. And yet people are trying to like, Oh, she's he- sending these coded messages or clues Did or what post I read it. And I was like, it's weird because uh, it's it said she didn't watch a documentary and she's she's uh, I don't remember the wording so I'm going to paraphrase you know very very badly here that um, she's trying to take it in stride with um, her personal and spiritual walk and how she's going to navigate this thing and how it's going to come out on the other side with her and her family. I, it was it was just weird to me. I can see why it might come off that way. Okay, but at the same time. Let's think about this too. She was early 20s, mid 20s, in the early 2000s when really social media blew up. Mm-hmm. When a lot of when a lot of celebrities weren't using social media because everybody thought it was a passing fad. Everybody was like, "Well, why do I want to put that out there? Why do I want to share this much information?" You know, there was this idea of, "Oh, you know, sharing too much." Mm-hmm. And I think really when you look at the younger generation that are more digital natives that have grown up with this technology, you look at the the TikTok stars, you look at the Instagram influencers, they're much more comfortable in the space because they've grown up with it. They understand it as a part of their job and they they can decide how much information they're sharing. And that to me is what I th- I think kind of does make me think that, hey, 
she was going through a mental health crisis at a time when this was blowing up. So she was a little more removed from it. She's not going to be, you know, necessarily concerned with that because she has small children going through a mental health crisis. She has other concerns at that time period. So it makes sense that, hey, over the past, you know, five or so years, she's started to do more of this, but she's catching up essentially. And in some ways it feels like she's, you know, with the break that she's gotten to take, which I think is really good for her. And, you know, she has been vocal more about taking care of her mental health. She is in a sense getting to, to kind of catch up on some of those things that she missed out on. And one of them is posting things on social media that later you're like, okay, maybe that didn't make sense or okay, maybe that wasn't the the best photo or or video to to post. But because she's in the public space, we're not necessarily giving her the grace to make those mistakes because social media has changed so rapidly from when it first started. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um touching back uh, real quick cuz I know we probably have like three or four minutes and then we we'll wrap uh, some of the things uh, you know home privacy and things like that so even when my daughter she's having a conversation or she comes in and she wants to ask me a question the first thing I usually ask is are you on the phone because if I'm getting ready to address you I don't want a third party listening listening into what I'm getting ready to tell you right and things related to the meetings that we have every Friday at uh, noon um, that meeting is our family meeting. So the information that we share here is for us and how we navigate our home and things like that. So uh, some of the things I'm very strict on when it comes to certain things. And then, you know, at times, you know, uh, she'll, you know, take out her phone and, and video record me while we're driving. And I'll probably do some silly once in a while, but not all the time. Um, but I, I, I want to reserve the silly and, and the goofy for my family or the people that I'm building relationships with or people that I'm getting really close with. Outside of that, and, and I think that's how I, I gate that, that emotional, you know, yep. um, if you will. So yeah. it's compartmentalizing. Correct. And I, you know, again, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because there are certain aspects of social media that for you that are a job. Same with me. There are definitely aspects of my social media use that pertain more to the job that I do and the industry that I'm in. And then, you know, I've kind of compartmentalized that, Hey, there are other platforms that while yes, they're public, the information that I share there or the, the overall aesthetic or tone of that is going to be more related to my personal. And therefore I'm going to choose more carefully what I share there. Mm. Absolutely. All right. So I'll, I'll say this. Thank you so much. I love your insights on everything. Uh, you have the final word and please give the socials where people can find you. You can find me on Gigi Firefly at on uh, Twitter and Twitch and Gigi Firefly TV on Instagram. And going back to what I just said, my Instagram is definitely much more travel, pet and food photos, whereas my Twitter is much more uh, gaming and industry focused. Need to boost your YouTube channel? Look no further than TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is the number one rated YouTube video optimization and management tool on the planet. Search for keywords, optimize using SEO Studio, and use Click Magnet, 
a suite of tools designed to help you determine the type of content your audience craves. To try TubeBuddy for free, visit andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. Once again, that's andrew-alliance.com forward slash tools. 